Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Have a Race That God Has Set Before Us. Pray with me. God, thank you for setting a race. Thank you for considering us, God. Thank you for providence. Thank you for sovereignty. God, thank you for your preeminence. God, I pray now in Jesus' name that you would hide me behind the cross, God, that you would cover me with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and anoint my mouth and my mind to say only the things that would glorify you, God. I pray that you would speak to your children from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a race that God has set before us. I want you to get in your mind this morning for this, this teaching and for the rest of your life that your life is a race. It has a, it has a starting point and it has an ending point. Do you get that? And, and there's a whole lot of work to be, to be done between the starting point and the ending point. I preached a message one time in similar fashion where I talked about it's the dash that tells the story. If you went to Holly Hill Funeral Home Cemetery on Old Jennings Road, you, you could find where my wife is buried, and you could see on the plot right next to it. And it's a little, it's a little bit eerie, honestly, to see your name on, 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 on something on the ground. Uh, but it, it, it says Scott C. Becker, and, and, and it says August 6, 1963, dash, and it's got a little empty spot right there. Uh, one day they're going to fill in that empty spot with the final date, uh, but the, that, that former message was it's the dash that tells the story. It's what happens between that start and that finish because in the natural we all have a start and we all have a finish. Every one of us are on our journey. This portion of Scripture calls it a race, uh, but he, here's what I want you to understand right off the bat this morning. Life is precious. Sometimes we disregard that. Sometimes we get upset about that. Some, sometimes uh, we, we don't like even the life that we have or don't like the life that someone else has. Uh, but for sure, we should be able to agree that life has its ups and downs. If you've been awake while you've been alive at any point, you realize that there have been good days, happy days, bad days, and sad days. There have been times where you were up and times where you were down. I've told you many times, I'll remind you again, that no matter what type of day, week, month, year uh, you're having, God is still worthy to be praised. He's still on the throne. He's still in charge. Through coronavirus, he's in charge. Through the fact that every decent movie theater on the planet is shut down, and I, I say that because AMC and the mall is open. 
Now, there's a reason why they put three cop cars in front of that movie theater every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. It's not just because they like hanging out. Do with that what you want to do with it. Uh, but through, through all of this shutdown, through all of this freak out, uh, through, and, and it's crazy, man. I, I hope Jesus comes back. I hope he comes back before this presidential election. Uh, but I, I, uh, and I hope he comes back before the next one. But I never thought it could be worse. Uh, than, than the way America treated President Obama. I never thought that, that peop, people could, could give a president more garbage than, than what they gave President Obama. Uh, but I tell you what, man, it, this, this country is just piling on Donald Trump hard. Uh, he's running against a man who can't say three sentences w- without falling asleep. Um, why, how in the world, in a diverse country of brilliant people, do we have two men that are both over 150, two old white dudes running for president? Does that make sense to anybody? They're 177 years old between them. Now, one of them's still articulate and can stay awake and work 20 hours a day. The other one is like, <laughs> Google it. It's the funniest thing in the world. This lady was asking Joe Biden a question. Joe Biden went just like this. And I'm thinking, bruh, you're running for president of the United States. You got to stay awake. But then it dawned on me. He's 78 years old. He's been in Congress for 49 years. I'm 57, been in this church for 19 years. I can't have to stay awake in the afternoon myself. But just the contention, that it seems like every presidential election, we all end up saying the same thing. This, this is the most vicious, the most contentious, the most divisive uh, election we've ever seen. And, and I hate this time of year, everybody just trying to divide, everybody just trying to be contentious, but, but man, there, there's just hardship going on around us. There's, there's, there's good times, bad times, but I'm going to remind you ahead of time. No matter who wins these, these, these political races, God will still be on the throne, and he'll still know what he's doing. God is always in charge, but we, we, have, our, we have these ups and downs in life. And listen, some people, based on personality, based on exposure, based on experience, based on what they went through as a child, um, have much larger swings. And when I'm talking about swings, I'm talking about emotional, uh, psychological, relational swings, where some people have really high highs and some people have really low lows emotionally. There are some people that are just like this all the way through. They're just as steady. Uh, they never get too pumped up, you know, like Kawhi Leonard. They, 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 they interview... Uh, if they interview Russell Westbrook after they get kicked out of the playoffs, he's cussing mad. He's sweating and fired up. If the refs, uh, they interview Kawhi Leonard after he just won the championship. We did good. We were happy to come away with the win. After a loss, we did our best. We will try better next time. So, I mean, some people are just like, you can't, you can't get them. And other people uh, get so excited and so happy. Uh, you know, they see two ants crawling down, down the sidewalk. Pull for one and get excited if there's wins. Uh, others pull for the other one and cry if there's losers. I don't know where you fit on this swing of emotions. But, listen, we all have ups and downs. We all have times where life is going good, and we all have times where life is going bad. And God sent me here to tell you today, do not let the devil cause you to get caught up in wishing for a different life. 
Too many people wishing for a different life. And you can see it. I mean, I, I, I make fun of it because it's hysterical to me. White people laying in tanning beds to turn orange. Not a good look. Black people putting on fade cream to turn splotchy. Once again, not a good look. Uh, white, 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 white people color. My mom color, colored her hair her whole life until she got really old. And I asked. I remember asking her one time because uh, she told me she wasn't a natural redhead uh, that she only colored her hair red because it gave her an excuse to be mean to everybody. True story. Said it matched her personality better. She said, you know, if, if you're brown-headed and, and you act that way, people will call you a, a dirty word. But if you're red-headed and you act that way, they just say you're feisty. Uh, but she didn't even know what her natural hair color was. But we got people coloring hair. We got people ta taking horrible supplements to, to lose weight. We got, we got people, I mean, not happy. You got tall people walking around like this. Brother, if you're six foot five, swell up. Stand up. Put your head up. Just let the world know. I'm looking down on you. Don't be mad when they ask what the weather's like up there. You know, we, 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 got, we got people who's wanting something different. I came to tell you today, that's the trick of the enemy. Stop wanting a different life and start living the life God gave you. Stop wishing your life was different and realize your life is designed. Y'all didn't hear me. Stop wishing your life was different and realize that your life has been designed by God. God decided what day you would be born. God decides what day you will die. And God has a race for you to run in the meantime. So many people wish their life could be different or better or something else. I hear people all the time in counseling uh, sessions talking about how their brother's life turned out or their sister's life turned out or their neighbor or their cousin and they're so upset about the way somebody else's life turned out they're not busy living their own life and they they want a better life I'm gonna tell you something stop wanting a better life and become a better you well that's the whole message right there let's take the offering up and go home I mean, if you could grab hold of that, and I got, I got to expound on it for an hour and a half to, to sink it down into your head. Uh, but if you could stop wishing for a better life and let God make you a better you, if you could stop wishing for a better life and just surrender to God and live the God kind of life that he wants you to live, I promise you this, it gets better and better. Let's look at the scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, therefore... Come. I'm so glad Elder Keon got these screens fixed. We had to get some outside people to do it, or he'd have done it himself, uh, the part that they had to do. But now we're back up and running. Look at, look at the screen and see the Bible. Therefore, comma. What are we going to do on the comma, church? We're going to pause on the punctuation when we read because it enhances our understanding. We're going to take the Bible in bite-sized pieces, get it down in our spirit so we can digest it. Therefore, I've told you and told you and told you, if you see the word therefore in the Bible, you should stop and think what? What it's there for. When you see the word therefore or wherefore, you need to pause and consider what is it there for. Therefore typically means because of what has just been said. So if, let's see the Bible scholars in the room, if 
Hebrews chapter 12, the beginning verse, verse 1, says, therefore, and therefore references what has just been said. What chapter do you think it's referencing? Chapter 11. All y'all get a certificate for being geniuses. Therefore, because of what God just said in Hebrews chapter 11, which is known by many as the hall of fame of what? Faith. It talks about our heroes of the faith. Now, here's the funny thing about Christianity. Do you know all our heroes uh, are jacked up except Jesus? Take a look at the list of the best people of faith in Hebrews 11, not now, but later. And you'll be like, wasn't he a whoremonger? Wasn't he a liar? Uh, Didn't didn't he do this, that, and the other thing? God uses imperfect people. Um, you, you, You can have great faith without being perfect. But because of what's just been said, because of... All this just been said. I don't even have this in my notes, Elder. See if you can pull this up because I I was reading this before I came out. And and I just want to give you an idea of what kind of people it talked about in Hebrews 11. It's not in the notes. Uh, Put it on the screen. I'll read it whatever version you put up there. Hebrews 11, 37. I got the Jeopardy music playing in my head. Do, 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 do. Ba-na-na-na, bum. No, we'll do it again. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and read it. You listen to it. Uh, in Hebrews 11, 37, uh, it's talking about all these great people of faith, Christians before the New Testament, Christians that lived in the Old Testament. It says, They were stoned, they were sawn in half, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Being destitute, persecuted, and mistreated, this this version says. Let me ask you this. Does that sound like what you hear on Christian broadcast television? They tell you, come to Jesus, and you'll get a new Ferrari and a big mansion, uh, and and, and God's going to give you double for your trouble. Uh, The the people of faith went through a lot. Verse 38. Do we have verse 38? I don't see any address on that screen. Um, I'll just keep reading. Listen. It goes on in verse 38, it says, of whom the world was not worthy. I want to tell you something. The world wasn't even worthy of people like Abraham, David, Samson. The world wasn't even worthy of the faith of these giants of the faith. Not that they were perfect, but they had great faith. The world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. They, 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 didn't, they didn't enter in to the promised land. They, they didn't get to go to heaven. Uh, you see, when somebody died in the Old Testament, just like the thief on the cross, he, he, he asked Jesus to save him, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. If, if you read the parable of the rich man, or the story of the rich man, not a parable, but the story of the rich man and Lazarus, when, when they died, uh, the rich man went here, and, and, and the beggar went here. And the Scripture says there was a great gulf fixed between them. Before the cross, everybody that died went to the center of the earth, and when When Jesus died, the Bible says he descended into the lower parts of the earth and he led captivity captive. They were all in Abraham's bosom, a place called paradise. And the scripture says that they were all swept up by Jesus and taken to heaven with 
him. These people didn't go straight to heaven uh, like we will when we pass. But verse 40 says, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So verse 11 is talking about all these heroes, people of such great faith that the world didn't even deserve to have them on this planet. We don't have a lot of people left like that today. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to tell you why. And, and I read an article years ago. It was on Newsweek magazine. They put um, T.D. Jakes. They put uh, that other dude, Joel Osteen. Uh, and they asked underneath it, who will be America's next pastor? And they talked about how Billy Graham had sat with seven or eight or nine or 20 presidents advising, was, was just widely accepted across the world, did first wanted to do major uh, stadiums, filling them up with people. And the conclusion that the article made is there'll never be a one-faced voice for Christianity again because of the Internet, because of the mass exposure and because of the large megachurch movement. Uh, I think the reason why we'll never have somebody be as revered as these people were revered in Hebrews chapter 11 or maybe as certain people from years ago have been revered, is because folk are out there digging dirt. Folk are out there digging dirt. Jerry Falwell's son just got in a whole lot of trouble nationally, put him all out on exposure, um, and they, they try to fault Jerry. I had somebody call me, what do you think about your boy Falwell? Unsafe uh, uh, classmate of mine asked me, what do you think about your boy Falwell? Because he knows I took my master's program at Liberty University, and he was trying to bash on Liberty University because they've been in the news lately because, you know, Jerry Falwell's son was running it, and he got all scandalous. And I said, that's got nothing to do with Jerry Falwell. Uh, you, you, you're trying to bash on, on, on Jerry Falwell because his son did something wrong. And I reminded him what, what I'll say about Jerry Falwell because I don't think it could be said. certainly couldn't be said about me, couldn't be said about you. Couldn't be said about almost anybody. The ACLU, which is a left-leaning political organization of lawyers, uh, sent flowers to Jerry Falwell's funeral. They hated Jerry Falwell. They said they had a task force of four people assigned to him for the last 20 years of his life, following him, fact-checking, searching for dirt on him every day for 20 years, and they came up with nothing. So they sent flowers to his funeral to say, we don't agree with him. We think he was a horrible right-wing extremist, evangelical nut job. That's their theory. Um, but they said at least he was clean to the end. Uh, the reason why uh, we, we, we don't see people of great note anymore, it just seems like every time somebody rises up, they do something wrong. The devil wants to put them on front street. Uh, but these people had plenty. Imagine if there was CNN and Fox digging on Abraham. Breaking news today live at 5. Abraham took his wife into a new village. <laughs> told her to tell everybody there that they weren't married. That he was her brother and not her husband. Because their custom was if they wanted the woman and she was married, they had to kill the husband. So Abraham opted for the whole village to take a turn on his wife rather than him to take, take heat for it. Don't, don't do that to, to your wife, Uncle Ken. I mean, if y'all going somewhere and they're like, hey, we, we just admit you're her husband, defend her honor, and die for it. Amen? Could you imagine, ladies? Could you imagine, Sonia, if, 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 you know, he's dragging you over to some village and, and they're like, and he's like, hey, tell them we're brother and sister. Because if five or ten of these brothers want to get at you, 
I don't need them fighting me over you. Just go on ahead. This is Abraham, the father of every major religion in the world. Christianity calls him Father Abraham. Islam calls him Father Abraham. Judaism calls him Father Abraham. This brother wouldn't defend his wife's honor. They didn't put that out in Hebrews 11. They, 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 they were putting out his highlight reel in Hebrews 11, not, not his dirt reel. Listen, don't, don't, don't let a highlight reel on somebody convince you, and don't let a dirt reel on somebody convince you. But in Hebrews 11, it's building up all these people, showing how great things God used them to do. And then we get to verse 12 with this word, therefore. Because of everything that's been said in chapter 11, all these people that have gone on before us that endured real hardship. I'm not talking about, hmm, looks like it's raining outside. I just got my hair did. I don't think I'm going to make it this week. Hmm, it's raining outside. They don't have any concrete out there in that parking lot except the sidewalk, and they won't let me park on it, so I don't want to get my shoes wet. I'm talking about people who endured real hardship, died for their faith, saw their children die for faith, suffered greatly for their faith because these people are out there it says since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses a huge crowd of what we had it and it went away since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses now if someone is witnessing i want you to think with me and understand they're watching do you get that now verse 12 or chapter 12 verse 1 says therefore so it's talking about the, the, the comments made in chapter 11 of the life of all these great men and women of faith. And it tells us now that we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? People who've gone on in faith. People who've gone on in faith. Now, this is where loosely we, we, we get the concept in the theory that mama's still watching. The Bible says they look through the portholes of heaven and inquire into what we're doing. This is where we get loosely the theology that, that, that tells us, you know, granddaddy's up there keeping an eye on us. We are surrounded in the spirit realm by a great crowd of witnesses. And listen, it's everybody who went to heaven by faith. We are surrounded by, all, listen, Abraham is watching. Isaac is watching. That's why we never skip the service for coronavirus, and I said it, and I thank God that, that we had no outbreak. Uh, I think we've had two people that are connected to our church, test positive, that didn't get it at the church. Uh, they got it either in the health profession they work in or, or uh, the, the restaurant they work in. Uh, when, when, I, when I was led of the Lord to say we'll never cancel a Sunday morning service, even if we all get COVID, people looked at me like I was the devil. I'm going to tell you what. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these heroes of the faith looked at all these other people like, oh, we better stay at home and hide under the covers. We might catch the flu or the COVID or the people go to church in countries. You can see that map in the back right hand corner. People go to church in countries like Pakistan, where if they get caught talking about Jesus, they get executed. What do you think these people? You got an 11-year-old girl. I read a story one time in, uh, in uh, the, 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 what's that, Martyrs Magazine? 
the voice of the martyrs. This 11-year-old girl was executed in Pakistan because they told her, if you don't deny Jesus, we're going to chop your head off. She said, I love Jesus. I want. They chopped her head off in front of her family. What do you think? She looks at us, Americans, Western civilized people, laying in bed thinking, I don't think I'll go to church today. It's raining a little bit. Nobody caught that. There are people who paid heavy prices for their faith, and they're watching us, the martyrs uh, that, that, that refused to say no to Jesus. They, they are watching us. We have this huge crowd of witnesses. The Bible says, listen, heaven is cheering you on. And people who paid more than we'll ever pay are watching, and, and we need to live this life of faith with sincerity. The verse goes on to say this huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. I want you to understand we have a life of faith. What kind of life do we have? A life of faith. Everything about Christianity is a by faith religion. We're saved by faith. We live by faith. We believe by faith. We get through the day by faith. We're going to be delivered by faith. This is a faith Life And the problem is, even though the scripture says we walk by faith and not by what? We walk by faith and not by sight. What that means is we should live our life based on our faith, not the things we see. We should live our life based on faith and not the things we see. Here's what, here's what faith says. Believe in God. Believe in what God says. God says to love everybody, even your enemy. Spend 15 minutes. Listen, if you're a CNN guy, spend 15 minutes watching Fox. Feel, feel, feel that bitterness swell up in you. If you're a Fox guy, spend 15 minutes watching CNN. Feel, feel that swell up in you. If, if you're a, an extreme conservative, watch, watch what happened in, in, in Compton yesterday uh, where those two cops sitting in their car, a man and a woman, just got riddled in their car with bullets. Brudges went out and decided he was going to kill a cop. So he took two for the price of one, and they're laying there. And, and if you're an extreme conservative, you're like, you're thinking, I hope they catch that man and, and, and give him the death penalty uh, for, for, for his cowardly. Uh, you think people should cowardly attack on cops like that, Mr. C? Uh, but, you know, but if you're an extreme left-leaning person, you're like, Brad was just fed up, and it's time we got to do something. And, and well, it still ain't right, but, I mean, it, we, we can all be pulled. We can all be swayed based, based on our ideology. We, we, we can all, uh, so, so then people start dividing up. And listen, that's living life by what you see. That, that's letting what you see affect how you feel. That's letting what you see affect what you believe. That, that's why I've, I've told some people, I'm like, yeah, you, you just need, and, and I had to say this to myself, and, and I, I, do, I do it for the most part. Every now and then I get a little fired up and, and, and backslidden and make a post on Facebook, but I've told a lot of people, stop posting up on Facebook. You, you, you're making too much division. People reading what you're saying, and, and, and they don't like, listen, but all that's based on what folks see. God said love people in spite of them. And I thank God we got a, we got a room full of people in here uh, who, who love others in spite of them. The Bible says the life that we have 
is a life of faith. If you don't hear anything I'm telling you this morning, please hear this. Don't let what you see determine how you live. This, this world is not our home. The Bible says we have a citizenship in heaven. This, this, this political party is not our governance. We're commanded to obey it while we're here, but, but we have a king in heaven that is supreme over everything. The verse goes on to say uh, we've got this huge crowd of witnesses w- watching this life of faith. It goes on next uh, to tell us let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Uh, let us strip off every Wait, say wait. Now, it, it, because God's word tells us to strip, uh, let us, who's us? Anytime you read the Bible, if the writer says we or us, it's primarily talking to Christians, they or them, primarily talking to non-Christians. Here's talking to Christians. Let, it, it tells Christians to strip off every weight. Now, if the Bible tells us to strip off every weight, and it does, what does that mean? What, what can we be sure that we all have? Weight. That's not talking about this right here. I got plenty of that. No doubt about that. Uh, I hadn't wore a tucked in shirt since 1965. Uh, not totally true, but you get the point. Uh, it's not talking about physical weight. It's talking about spiritual weight. And the Bible tells us that we need to strip off every weight. I want you to know we've got weights that we've got to get rid of. Now, it's talking about running a race. Now, no one in this room, I think we can agree, no one in this room is beating Usain Bolt in a 100-meter dash. If you knew who he was, you would agree with that. Uh, uh, No one in this room is beating Michael Phelps in a swimming competition. If you knew who he was, I think you'd agree with that. Uh, No one in this room is jumping higher uh, I'll, I'll use a guy who really ain't, ain't, ain't the biggest jumper in the world, but no one in this room is jumping higher than LeBron James, if you knew who he was. Uh, or if you don't know who he was, you, you, you sleep. But we, we see these competitive people. Let's, let's get back to Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt's been dubbed the fastest man on the planet. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. He can outrun me, and he can outrun you. But let me ask you, how many people in the room that know who Usain Bolt is think he can outrun me? Anybody? Yeah, he can. He can. Why are you raising your hand, boy? That brother can't outrun me. I'll fly right past. Listen, he can outrun me. But let me ask you this. What, what if, uh, what, what do you think, you, and some of y'all are just going to be hard-headed and still agree. What if Usain Bolt had Elder Keon and Deacon Dixon jump on his back at the same time? You think he can still outrun me? He cannot. He cannot. Let, let, let me put it to you a different way. You think he could outrun you with, with 600 pounds on his back? No, he would lay there under it, crushed flat to the concrete. Michael Phelps can outswim everybody, most decorated swimmer uh, in, 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 in this generation. But what if you strapped 1,000 pounds of weight to his body in that pool? If you could dog paddle from one end to the other, you could beat him. LeBron James uh, can jump to the top of the backboard. But if you strap five, a 5,000-pound 5, piano across his neck, he's not jumping so high anymore, is he? Why? Weight. Weight. It's hard to run. run runners know about weight. Runners will tell you, it doesn't matter what their race is. If it's one time around, two times around, four times around, runners will tell you, on that last turn, 
That gorilla jumps on your back. That refrigerator jumps on your back. They'll say it in any kind. It just feels, oh. Listen, weight slows us down. We've got a race to run. The Bible says God set a race for us, and we've got to run it. We've got a race to run, and I promise you this. These, listen, these swimmers, I'm not sure that it helps, but they shave their arms. You know why they shave their arms? To, to, to Weight, reduce friction, slow, stop them from being impeded. I'm not sure arm hair is doing that. Now, you know, if somebody had on a 30-pound weave, that's going to slow you down in life or in the pool. But we've got to strip off every weight. Now, here's what I want to tell you. You, don't, you can't strip your weight off, your spiritual weight off, if you don't know what it is. And if you're not paying attention to your life because you're not investing in your own spirituality or because you've been duped by the devil to investigate other people's lives more than your own, if you're not paying attention, then you probably don't know what it is that's slowing you down in life. You need to figure it out. You need to figure it out. What's causing you to bump your head into the wall all the time? What's causing you to fail, fall short of what you want for your life? What's causing you to stumble before you get to the finish line? God says, strip off every weight. Man, those swimmers, they show up to these swim meets. These runners show up to these run meets. They got on beautiful uh, track suits. Uh, they start coming out of those suits. They start coming out of their shirts. They're, they're, they got body suits on tight, skin-tight body suits um, to, to lightweight as possible. Man, when I was growing up, our shoes, think about how much our shoes weighed, Mr. C. Our, our shoes, we didn't care how much our shoes, we, as long as they looked fly, we were going to wear them. These shoes they got now, Nike came out years ago with fly knit. I remember the first time I picked up a pair of fly knit, I'm like, they don't even weigh anything. They stripped down. How many of y'all remember Flojo? Flojo made them bodysuits come out. Flo, Flojo come out in all them big lines. She started pulling that off, and then it was one leg. Let me keep going. <laughs> they stripped down to almost nothing. Why? Because they don't want anything slowing them down. I want to get you to the place where you identify what's heavy on you. What's heavy on you? What's weighing you down? What, what, what's stuck in your head that, that has you stuck? You got to strip that off. What's stuck in your heart that has you stuck? You got to strip that off. Listen, God wouldn't tell you to strip it off if you couldn't, so you need to know it can be stripped off. And the Bible tells us let's strip off every weight. It, it, it says every weight, it continues to go on. Weight, it says weight that slows us down. Weight that slows us down. Each of us have a weight or a lot of weights that slow us down. And I want you to understand, yours is probably different than mine. Yours is probably different than mine. If you are like me, Gail and I are completely different people. I'm a man, she's a woman. Thank God for that. That's how God designed it. Uh, but she was very simple-minded and happy about everything. Nothing, nothing flustered her. I can, see, I can see a news flash. My kids are like, Dad, please just stop watching the news. I see a news flash. I want to write a nine-page uh, uh, diatribe on Facebook. 
telling the whole world what's really going on. But some people just are affected by different ways. Some of y'all drive down 103rd Street, and it doesn't even bother you because you're just unaffected by it. Listen, if you have to come from west part of 103rd Street from like where you come from, and you got to sit at that red light to turn left on to Firestone, if you haven't realized yet that light turns back to red too fast, you ain't paying attention. If you haven't realized that over 50% of the people that make it down to that red light are either brain dead, stupid, or just driving up and down the road for no, almost everybody U-turns at that light. Don't they, Dina? If you're not the first car or the second car on that arrow and some moron decides to U-turn, for what? I started U-turning following them. Because if they don't U-turn and pull up into the family dollar or the Taco Bell, they could have caught, they missed their light. And they came down too far and they're like, oh, they'll go to the interstate. I better U-turn. do 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 Oh, dang, I done come too far up the street. Yeah, Bubba, you done come too far up the street. So now you got a U-turn, and guess what happens? Bubba's first in line, I'm second. Guess what happens by the time Bubba takes a U-turn at that light? You can't go. And if you haven't realized that, you're one of those people that don't get bothered by traffic. Newsflash, I ain't in that crowd. Bad drivers are a weight on my neck. What should I do? Strip it off. I got to learn to just be content and say, you know what? I'm the third, and I already know. I'm the third car in line. Guess what I already know? I ain't going to get through. I ain't even going to try to get through. Now, here's the deal. I stopped doing it because I don't know what everybody drives, and I thought, oh, they may be coming to church this morning. I, I, I'd, be, I'd be on the, ah, I, not, not ah, I told my kids, never, ah. You get somebody with PTSD, they just start shooting. Uh, you, you, you give them that, you give, you give them that, beep, beep, that, that toot, toot. That's like, I'm mad at you, but I don't want you to shoot me, honk. Beep, beep. I don't even do it anymore. Uh, I've stripped off some of that. Pray for me, I'll strip off the rest of it. I don't know what your weight is. I don't know what slows you. I don't know what bogs you down, but I hope you can be honest enough to admit there are things that bog you down. You're like, yeah, Pastor, you rambling on about traffic. That just, that just, hey, strip it off. You're like, I can't. You won't shut up. No, strip off the fact that it bothers you. I can't stop Bubba from U-turning, and I follow him. They go all the way back down to the whole other end. I just started following them. They, they ain't U-turning for no good reason. They're just bumping up down 103rd Street on a Sunday morning. Why? You know what I had to do? I can't stop Bubba from U-turning where he doesn't need to U-turn. But I can try to be less burdened by it. I can strip off the level that affects me. You can't change other people. Psychologists will tell you the greatest light bulb awakening moment you can ever have is when you realize you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. So let us strip off the weight that slows us down. You strip off your weight. I strip off my weight, and we will get there faster because we all got weight slowing us down. It goes on in the next phrase to say, especially the sin 
that so easily trips us up. Now, if you study commentaries on this, and if you read what great theologians say about this, this is one of those phrases in the Bible that there's a large divide where everybody doesn't agree that it means the same thing. And I'm talking about great theologians, not good theologians versus whack people. Uh, the, even among the best theologians, some of them believe that it is specifically and universally talking about unbelief because of the context of the passage that unbelief is a sin that we all struggle with. I, I believe unbelief can be in there, but I'm not, I don't believe it's universally talking about unbelief. I believe that there is a sin that trips us up. I got a sin that trips me up. It's not unbelief. Uh, you might be strong in faith and still have a sin that trips you up, and it's not unbelief. That's why I don't believe it's universally talking about unbelief, because unbelief doesn't trip up everybody. But there is a sin that trips you up. For some of you, it's pride. For some of you, it's anger. For some of you, it's lust. For some of you, it, it's, it's whatever it is. But you need to identify what is that sin that so easily trips you up. Now, I know a lot of y'all think you're just saved, sanctified, fire baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, got no struggle, no strain. Life's perfect for you. But I promise you, if you could just identify that big thing, that especially thing, that, that one thing that you could say, okay, I got all these different weights on me, but I'm going to pull this big one down. Until we start pulling these weights down off us, we're never going to run effectively. We're never going to finish the race when we should. We're never going to be on the part of the journey that God wants us on because we're always going to be lagging and dragging because we have too much weight. I wonder, uh, don't say it out loud. Some, somebody be like, ho-mongering. <laughs> no, uh, don't, don't, don't say that out loud. I don't know what your issue is. Lying, stealing, cheating, lazy, bitter, negative, non-Bible reading, non-praying, non-soul winning. Don't share your faith. I don't know what... It is that trips you up, but you need to let it go. You need to let it go. I, I remember one year uh, during our fast, we, we had uh, uh, a person who swore off television. They told me at the end of the fast, they felt so free and, and so light and so less encumbered by not watching TV for 21 days that they were considering swearing it off forever. Listen, there's just some things that you need to get rid of, some things that you just need to let go of, especially that sin that so easily trips you up. You, it, there are people, I don't recommend it, but there are people who have ministries where they do ministry in strip joints. Now, wives, you know you, you don't want your husband. Uh, do, do you want Mr. Douglas going to start in a strip joint ministry where he hangs out at the club all night? You'd rather not. He's like, oh, man, I, just, I was thinking about that. He spoke that. There are people that specialize in stuff like that. Listen, a man with an active libido, I don't believe that's your thing, cuz. That, that's that, that's going to be one of those things that trips you up. Like, not me. I just go there to witness. I know. You go there to witness what's going on. Yeah. I'm just there to, uh, yeah. It's like, hey, uh, you, you, you in there with sapphire and candy and, and aurora. And every other fake name you can come up with. Uh, there are things that trip up some people that don't. Now, now, other people could be like, you know, I just, Sonia's like, wouldn't bother me none. I go in there and tell them about Jesus. Uh, well, thank God you wouldn't be in there lusting over sapphire, uh, mystique, uh, 
and, 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 and the rest of them. Uh, but there are things that trip up some people that don't trip up others. Do you even know what trips you up? If you don't, you're just going to keep coming in last in this race of life because you got a weight around your neck and you haven't even figured it out yet. You got to figure this out because this, especially the, 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 the one that easily trips you up. You can't miss every pothole in Jacksonville. People don't understand why the roads are so bad in, in parts of Jacksonville. I'll tell you, we are below sea level. There, you can't dig in your yard more than eight inches without hitting water. Water runs in veins underneath the ground. And all these roads that were built too low in Jacksonville have water running underneath them, eroding the dirt under them, knocks out the asphalt, makes a pothole. There you go. That's just a little infrastructure uh, training for you today. But you can't avoid every pothole. But the pothole that's on your street, three doors down from your house, that's been there for five years, that the city's not going to fix, could you figure out that you shouldn't keep driving into that? After you hit it and bend one rim, now here's something I know about rims from my Lincoln. The more money you spend on rims, the softer material they make them out of, and the more easily they bend, and they cost a lot to fix. If you run into a pothole and bend your rim, blow your tire out, and that pothole's two doors in front of your house, that should only happen to you once. If you hit it again the day after you get your new rim and new tire and you hit it again at 30 miles an hour, you, you should start figuring out, I got to drive around this. Are you following me? You can't miss every problem in life, but you ought to be able to miss the big one that's right there in front of you. Figure out what that big one is that's right there in front of you. And listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not only preaching to the choir this morning, I'm preaching to myself. There have been things in my life that have tripped me up consistently, and I'm praying with all my diligence that God would let me quit hitting the same potholes. Anybody want to join me in that? To quit hitting the same pothole? Then, then it goes on to say, let us run with endurance. Say endurance. Now, endurance is a word that is found in many places in the Bible, and it just doesn't mean to hang in there. A lot of people think to endure is to hang in there, to, to stay with something. But endurance, uh, the, the, the Greek word for endurance doesn't just mean to hang in there. It means to hang in there with positive focus. Most people are not hanging in there with positive focus. Endurance for the Christian understands the outcome while they're in the middle of the tragedy. See, endurance for, for people who don't believe in the outcome, oh, God, how long, how long, oh, Lord, how, how long? When is it going to change? That, that's not endurance. Well, I'm just holding on. Holding on is not enduring. Holding on is being miserable but being too stubborn to give up. You can be you can give up on your stubbornness and learn how to endure. It doesn't just say to, to run. It says let us run with endurance. You can't just run this Christian race that God has set before you. You have to run it with endurance. Endurance signifies that there's going to be trouble. There's going to be hardship. But you're going to hold on in the midst of it with a positive mindset that says soon and very soon 
we are going to see the king. You got to hold on with a positive mindset that says, one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away. You got to hold on with a concept that, that says, I got a home in glory land that outshines the sun. You got to hold on with a concept that says, the same God that's got Abraham up in heaven looking down on me, one day he's going to have me. Listen, I told you before, and some of you wouldn't do it anyway. Don't cry for me when God takes me off this planet. I'll be laughing at you from heaven. I'm going to be in the cloud of witnesses looking down. Everybody that's in heaven, I know we cry for us, but if they made it, they're happy. We got to run this race. We got to run it with endurance, knowing that God's got it all in hand. But it says run, say run. It doesn't say sit and hope things get better. Every one of us need to start running the race that is our life to our fullest potential. Too many people aren't living life. They're letting life happen to them. I want you to start living life on purpose. Live, have a purpose in your life that says, I'm going to get up fired up. I'm going to go to bed prayerful. I'm going to wake up rejoicing. I'm going to have his praise in my mouth. Start living life on purpose that says, I'm going to run my race. I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to do everything I can do with every bit of time that I have. The, the last phrase says to, to run this race, the race that God has set before us. I want to tell you something. The, the, the life that you have right now, scripturally, God's word tells us it's the life that God puts you in. Well, no, Reverend, I made some mistakes along the way. You think that shocked God? You think that slipped up on God? You think God didn't know a billion years ago exactly where you'd be, how you'd be, what your struggle was, what your weight was, what the thing that was especially tripping you up was? No, God designed your life. Stop wishing you had a different life. Stop, stop, stop being upset about where you are and start maximizing where you are. Stop being upset wishing you w wish life was better and start maximizing the life that you have. Yeah, you're stuck. Uh, uh, Mrs. Mr. C got to deal with Mr. C. That's just how it is. Uh, she can't be out there wishing she had a different person. She just got to maximize the man that she's got. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, so she, she wasting time wishing you'd quit being funny, and she just got to learn how to laugh along the way. We've got to stop wishing for a different life, a better life, and we got to learn how to maximize every day that God has given us. Oh, and, and, and it's, it just it blows me back. I, I wish I could contact all these people by telephone, all these people that swore up and down, whether they said that, that uh, Barack Obama wasn't their president or Donald Trump wasn't their president or said if so-and-so wins the election, I'm going to move out of the country. Well, then move. Get. You don't have to be here. It's crowded. 103rd Street got too many people living here. Get gone. Well, America just ain't, America is just not kind enough. I don't believe America treats the LGBTQ BIPFG population fair enough. Okay. Move to Pakistan. They hang them. You want to deal with that? I was just talking to somebody in the Philippines, uh, shared it with the staff this morning, that let me know that uh, their version of crystal meth uh, I forget, it's called Shabu or Sambo or something crazy like that. Uh, their version of it, if you get caught with it at all, I'm talking about a user amount. It's the life in prison, life in prison, uh, or the death penalty. 
uh, to have paraphernalia. You got a spoon with, 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 with some of that stuff on it. 20 years, no parole. Well, I don't believe America helps the addict good enough. Well, go to the Philippines. See how 20 years in a Filipino prison works for you. Well, I just don't believe that America's kind enough to this crowd. Listen, they're trying to come into America by the millions every day from every corner of the earth. Stop hating the life that you have and start maximizing what God has given you. Is it perfect? No. Is it going to get perfect? No. And the problem is the devil's got you sitting back waiting on things to get better before you engage. And hear what the scripture says. If the farmer waits for perfect conditions to plant his crop, he'll never plant. You can't wait for life to get perfect. You can't wait for your marriage to get perfect to engage. You can't wait for your job to get perfect to engage. You can't wait for your country to, well, I'm just waiting on America to live up to its founding. Listen, stop waiting and start engaging. Live the life that God has given you. Get up every morning on purpose. Get up with a mindset that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Get involved. God has given you a race to run. You want it to be something different? It's not going to be. Well, Pastor, I just believe I was born in the wrong generation. No, you were born where God destined you to be. Well, Pastor, I just wish things would get better in this way and that way. Listen, stop looking outwardly and start looking inwardly and live the life God has blessed you with. We are blessed to be alive in the greatest time in the history of the world on the greatest planet that ever existed, serving the only one true God that there is. What are you waiting on? Verse 2 says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I'm not even going to finish that. I'm just going to leave it with that first. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Well, how do you expect me? How do you expect me? A police officer could ask me, how do you expect me to get up every morning and be grateful and thankful for the job I have when, 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 when fellow police officers are getting ambushed and gunned down? You still got to glorify God in your life. Well, well, how can you expect me as a, as a this member of that group or that member of this? How can you expect me with all this going on? Listen, because God gave you a race to run. And he told you to run it. And we are all without excuse. The Bible says we are all without excuse before him with whom we have to do. God is watching. The great cloud of witnesses is watching. If you got anybody in heaven, they're watching. When are you going to get on with it? When are you going to, listen, get up to the starting block. Put your running shoes on and get to running. How, how, Pastor? By keeping your eyes on Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. The, the only way in trying times to stay focused is to keep your eyes on Jesus. We, we, we got to look at him all day, every day, in every situation. When something bothers you, you, listen. Oh, old, old church crowd, they understand this. You, you, you can get excitement out of Mother Jones just by saying, but God. Say, but God in front of Mother Jones. and Watch, watch, watch how Mother Jones get, gets excited. Because Mother Jones knows life was hard, but God. When, 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 when my first child died, I didn't think I was going to make it. What? But God. When, 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 this, when this country turned its back on me and I thought everything I had, I was, 
but God. You need to have a but God mindset. You need to understand that no matter what's going on all around the world, you ought to see God in everything. When you see something that discourages you, say but God. When somebody gets on your listen, when that person you turns in front of you and you miss that light again, say but God. When, 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 when the person in front of you, listen, it's just stuff, man. It's just stuff. I knew it. I knew it. I messed around yesterday and went through Wendy's. I don't give two cents about Wendy's. I ain't a Wendy's guy, but I was hungry, and there it was, and traffic was slow, so I pulled in, and I just felt it all in my heart after the person just couldn't understand what I was saying. I was just like, you want what? You want what? You want cheese on that? No cheese. Three things I want on my hamburger. What are they? You know? No. Mayonnaise? Lettuce? Right. Where you been your whole life? Mayonnaise, lettuce, and tomato. That's all I want. You want cheese on that? I want a single with mayonnaise, lettuce, and tomato only. You want cheese on that? No, I don't want cheese on that. Would you like to ask me if I want onion on that? Because I don't want onion either. You want to ask me if I want mustard on that? Because I don't want mustard either. I want mayonnaise, lettuce. I felt it. I took that sandwich from the drive through window and just pulled right into the first parking space in front of the drive through window. I opened it up. And then I had to think, but God. Because here's the thing. I will not eat a hamburger with cheese on it. I don't care what you think. I'm not going to do it. So... I could have been out on Highway 17 in Orange Park uh, and, and, and riding down the road biting into a hamburger with cheese on it. It's not a hamburger anymore if it's got cheese on it. What is it? Think through it. I, I could have been on it, but God let me pull in that spot to walk up to the window. And I looked at the girl. What wrong? I said, well, you know what's wrong. You took my order. I told you I wanted mayonnaise, lettuce, and tomato on it. And you asked me, did I want cheese on it? And I said, no. She said, oh, that's on me. Everybody wants cheese on it. So I said, you heard me say mayonnaise, lettuce, tomato only. She said, yeah, but when people say that, they mean cheese too. I said, do they mean onion too? Do they mean mustard too? Do they mean ketchup? Oh, no, but everybody. I said, no, I don't eat. And so I had to wait. They remade. When life, you're like, Pastor, stuff like that really get to you? You don't know how hard it is living in this. But God allowed me to see his hand at work as I maintained my calm and my dignity and smiled and laughed with the girl about she thinking everybody wants cheese on a hamburger. Why you don't eat cheese on your burger? And just had a conversation with her while they made my burger. Uh, and, and instead of going in there, how some customers go in there, and that's the reason why I don't work in the restaurant business. But God allowed that to happen, and that's a small thing, but it's just an example. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start living up to the theme that we set in January. The theme we put forth for this year is seeing God's goodness in everything. Now, I could have been all mad and upset and went sideways about cheese being on my burger after I paid. Listen, $8.13. Didn't even have fries. They rang this up wrong. It can't be $8 for, for a hamburger and a Dr. Pepper. But whatever. I could have been all, but God allowed me to see. That's why I had you pull over in the parking lot, son, 
and not because if I'd have got out on 17, that's just in the floorboard at that point, and I'm still hungry. Then I'm you know waking up with brilliance and pulling into McDonald's. Uh, I want you to start seeing God in everything. See His goodness in everything. If you start seeing His goodness in everything, then you'll give Him thanks more often. And he said the way to get close to him is by giving him thanks. Some people can't get close enough to God because they give only complaints and they don't give thanks. They give only bitterness and they don't give thanks. They give only upset, but they never give thanks. God said that the way you enter into his presence is by thanksgiving. And if you start seeing that it's raining outside, but thanking God for the rain, then life will get better. If you start seeing that bad traffic is slowing you down, but thanking God for a car to drive, your life will get better. If you start seeing that the bills ain't paid, but God got food in your belly, you start giving God more thanks. Start seeing His goodness in everything. Start seeing His goodness in everything. Well, I just wish our church was this. Start giving God thanks that we have a church. Well, I just wish that life was that. Start giving God thanks for the life He's giving you. I mean, I'm going to leave you. I'm not even going to drag you down here this morning because some of you, I was going to have a weight strip off service. Listen, you don't need me to pray for you to strip off weight. You need to get, get along with God today. We don't have church tonight. I want you to get along with God tonight and let Him strip weight off you. I want you to get serious with God today and let Him reveal to you what it is that you need to let go of. What you just need to say, God, please let me. And listen, when you feel it back on you, ask God to take it from you again. When you feel it back on you, ask God to take it from you again. But I, I, I'm going to leave you with what the hymn writer said. Because it made so much sense to me. And I don't get theology from hymns, but when hymns have theology in them, I will tell you about it. And the hymn writer said this. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And I want you to start doing that. Listen, from the youngest person to the oldest person in the room, I want you to start reciting the things you're thankful for. And you'll begin to realize, wow, look at God. Then you'll begin to see His goodness in everything, which is our concentration for 2020. You want to have 2020 vision? You want to see clearly? you got to see God's goodness in everything. This corona, this corona thing is it's as whack as all day long. I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm disgusted by it. Uh, I already told y'all, uh, it's just me. And, and don't, don't, don't do this just because I, do, I don't wear a mask. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I, you know, I eat food off the floor. Uh, uh, I made hot tea this, this morning because you weren't here yet, Dina. And that little stir you put in there, uh, I dropped it on the ground. I wasn't going to waste that stir. I picked it right back up, put it in that. Uh, I don't care. Exactly. They, they, they sweating me. I walk into a place. I walk in. Uh, they, they're like, sir, uh, we have masks available for you. I'm like, I got a breathing situation. Oh, okay, okay. Well, maintain your social distancing. I told my kids. We were in public. Me and Seth went public the other night. He's all masked up. I'm not. I'm all prepared for him. Tell him I got a breathing situation. You know what my breathing situation is? I likes to breathe. But I'm tired of all this. You do you. Do all the hand washing, mask wearing, social distancing you want to do. Uh, but all these different things, we, no matter how much they bother you, we got to learn to see God's goodness in it. 
We've got to learn to see. God is up to something. Open your eyes and see it. God is on the move. Get involved and let him move in your life. Listen, it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's a hey, report card's coming out in six weeks. Um, I, I already had to get on Seth. Uh, Seth's the only one left in school. His brother graduated. Uh, his, his, he had all A's, and, and he dropped down to an 88. I said, hey, boy, what's going on with these grades? He's like, Dad, it's just it's one assignment, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be right back up to an A. I said, hey, we ain't going to have this. You stay on top of this thing. Listen, report cards are going to come out. Listen, if your child brings home all A's, you probably, hopefully, will give God praise for that. If your child brings home all A's and an 88B, you still ought to see God's goodness in that because they could have done worse. What if they bring home all F's? See God's goodness in that that your child made everybody else look smarter. Hallelujah. I mean, there is always some goodness to be found. Thank God that your child don't have to go to college by law and they can learn a trade. Amen? Or they can ask, do you want fries with that? It's, I mean, there's always something. Find something. You ought to be able to find God's goodness in everything, even in a bad situation. The air we have to breathe. The, the quality of life that we have. Some days my, back, my back's been hurting so bad over the past two weeks with moving from this old house to this new house but I just have to sit there and I, I thank God for the comfortable chair he gives me to sit in with my back my, my kids know my back I just tell them I'm gonna go get in my chair uh, it's, it, it, it just, it, it, it's it's better than the other chairs I'm sitting in so find God's goodness in everything stop complaining stop wishing your life was different God gave you a race to run run it to his glory Give him thanks along the way. This crowd in heaven, they're cheering us on. They're watching us. We have a great cloud of witnesses. They're watching us. The Bible says Jesus is praying for us all the time. We have our own heavenly cheerleading squad. Get your mind out of the poor, pitiful me mindset and start seeing how good God is in everything. Good in the rain, good in the heat, good in the cold. Good on a good day, good on a bad day. Because he's good all by himself. Pray with me. God, thank you for being good. Help us to see your goodness in everything, God. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because he's only good. He's perfect all the time. He's kind and just and loving and faithful. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's our shelter in a time of a storm. You care for us, God. You provide for us. You are our shepherd. Thank you, God, for the life that you've given us. I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us embrace the life that you've given us and live it to the fullest. God, I pray that you would take people off the sidelines and get them to the starting block and let us start running. Let us start running for your glory, God. Let us start running the, the race. Let us live the life that we have without complaint, without bitterness, God. Let us give you thanks for every day. And let us see your glory along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the ALCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web 
at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.